going on, you guys? It's your boy Bleed. It's your boy Al Mac, and it's time, baby. It's bloodshed, and man, not a bad name for uh, a show, considering the stuff we're getting ready to talk about. There was some bloodshed, but we're getting ready to go over, recap, review, take a look ahead. We basically do it all on this show, Al. Really, uh, but first, we always kick it off with a recap. We just wrapped up. UFC Vegas 30, Cyril gone versus Alexander Volkov. Man, we got a lot, for better or worse, we got a lot to talk about, Al, when it comes to this card. We had action from every angle, everything you could ever want, from, you know, vicious eye pokes, referees allowing cheating left and right, points never being taken, uh, you know, this just played right into our hands with a lot of the talking points we talk about every week here, Al. So uh, we might as well get into it. But before we do, I got to kick it to my man, Al Mack, at CombatOdds.ca. Al, what is up, dude? Not much. It was uh, a losing night for me. And, like, you just look at the results as someone who's a, a dog player and someone who's always betting those fight goes the distance. The favorites went 10-2-1 tonight. And only five of uh, 13, well, five of 12, uh, five of 12 fights because of the one no contest uh, went the distance. Fight goes the distance no tonight at the apex. And I, I'm, I'm almost positive, but I'll have to go back and look. But I think that's the first time this year since being at the apex that the fight goes the distance no cashes at a higher rate than the yes uh, going seven and five. So... Uh, yeah, it just the, tonight was maybe there was maybe there was like a more crowd than usual there or something like that, but uh, or maybe the afternoon because I mean they're fighting at like 11 a.m. local time, card kicking off at 1 p.m. local time for them, so it was just a weird one in general. Took an L for like the first time, I can't even remember how long it's been since uh, since I've taken an L, probably the probably an Adesanya card or something like that, but yeah. This was uh, it was still pretty entertaining. Uh, I I honestly I prefer my UFC at night, so it's just it throws me off when we have this. But uh, it is what it is, man. Yeah, well, Al, you weren't alone, man. I tell you what, from a gambling standpoint tonight, I started off razor sharp, red hot, getting them good looks. But man, it was just a different story on that main card. Like you said, man, you went over the stats. Favorites coming through tonight, and what do you? Wouldn't you know it? I thought I had picked out a couple good dogs. Honestly, the really good dogs I kind of let slip right through my fingers. But we're gonna get into it, man. We might as well uh, go from there, right? So, our uh, kicking off the main card, which, like I said, Al, we're gonna have to talk about some of these prelims because pretty good action. I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, segue into that. But first fight of the night: Hanato Moicano submission, rear naked choke. Four minutes, 34 seconds of round number two over Jai Herbert. Al, wouldn't you know it, I take the shot on Jai Herbert. But, Al, this is what this fight broke down to. Hinato Moicano comes out here and just out grapples. I mean, I can't remember the time a guy transitioned so smoothly into full mount so many times in a fight. Um, Hinato Moicano just comes out here. Honestly, fights a perfect nearly flawless game plan i say nearly because during the latter half of the first round we saw jai herbert get off some good shots like 
and absolutely tagged Moicano right on the chin. I thought that's the fight we were going to see. Okay, Moicano, as of late, you just can't bank on this guy to go in there and use that high-level grappling. He's one of those guys that got two. How did he, Al, how did he put it? What was the quote? What did he say? I saw you. You said it on Twitter, right? What did he say? He fell in love with the box. He fell in love with the box, and it was killing the dude. You know what I mean? Had this guy gone in here and just used the grappling we saw tonight, the dude might have already had a title shot. The dude might be the champ. I mean, straight up. Uh, that was just utter domination. I thought we were going to see some classic Moicano, and he was going to stay in love with the box. And, uh, you know, we'd see more of this this fight on the feet. And if we did, uh, for the time we did see the fight on the feet, Jai Herbert looked pretty good. Unfortunately, the fight plays out 95% on the mat. Uh, Moicano cooks Jai Herbert, catches him in the choke, cashes. I'll say this. You know, I had questions. I had worries about a Hinato Moicano. If the dude can just come out before a fight and in one interview is all I'm asking for and say, listen, my friends, my gambling friends, I will execute the same game plan in this fight. And not only is just a, is, is a bet. You know what I mean? If he comes out and fights that fight, that's a dude I'm looking to back all the way every time because it takes out the factor of him losing. The guy loses eating monster punches on the feet. Uh, that's not going to happen. Dudes don't land monster KO punches off their back. I mean, we've seen it one time with Nico Price. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's going to be a while before that happens again, I have a feeling. Hinato Moicano, man, perfect performance, honestly. Um, near perfect performance. Jai Herbert, uh, let's keep it real, man. A lot of these European dudes, where do they really come up short? They come up short in the grappling. Um, props to Moicano. Uh, like I said, I, 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 I thought he was going to come out and, and show some of those tendencies to keep it on the feet. He does for a minute. He gets coached up between rounds. They say to him, they go, bro, you're killing this guy on the mat. What are you doing standing with him? Goes out in round two, handles his business. Al, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty frustrating because I had uh, fight goes the distance in this one. And I thought that uh, Herbert was going to, you know, he's going to ha- at least show up. I thought, you know, his takedown defense almost non-existent in this fight. And, uh, you know, Mykano is he showed to be quite a high-level uh, uh, jiu-jitsu grappler, but uh, he looked like friggin' Charles Oliveira in there tonight. Right. He was, uh, yeah. he was top-notch. He looked like he looked like a world beater. And uh, it, was a, it was an interesting fight because we haven't seen Herbert um, – since getting flatlined from Francisco Trinaldo in that famous uh, stop the fight moment. Yep. And then we haven't seen Mykano since getting slept by uh, Rafael Faziv. So it was two guys that were kind of uh, trying to bounce back from bad losses. And Mykano did exactly that. You know, uh, he he made himself – he, you know, he put himself on the – he might have gotten himself a bonus. I'm not sure. I don't have that in front of me. But I, I think it, if if I was getting any bonuses, I would have given him one. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was. Just, it's funny how MMA works sometimes, where you almost you become your own worst enemy, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure if my if my Kano fought like that against Fazeev, it would have be it'd be a completely different story. But uh, it, it is what it is, man. These. Uh, he fell in love with the box, <laughs> and he, he 
I don't know if it was lost in translation, but he said that uh, he had to he had to he had to kill people to make money for his family, and that he had to kill Herbert tonight. And uh, yeah, his uh, English is interesting. And uh, what do we what do we where does he go? I think he was he fell out of the ranking because of the the loss to Fazeev. So I think he's right on the cusp now of being closer to the rankings again. Uh, I don't know. He looked great tonight. I would like to see him. He's obviously going to get a step up. I think, you know, Jair Bear, that's got to be like, that's got to be the litmus, the litmus test, right? Like if you, if he lost that fight, it would be official. Like he's not UFC level because as far as Herbert goes, I don't think he's USC level. I think he's got to go back to uh, Cage Warriors or, yeah, I think Cage Warriors is where he came from. What do you think? Uh, here's what I think, man. I think his management's not doing him any favors. Like, you know, it was pretty apparent Moicano was going to have a big grappling advantage in that fight. I think maybe they thought probably what I thought, that Moicano was going to give this guy a shot on the feet and, uh, you know, questionable chin. So really – Maybe they tried to did try to kind of pick this matchup to get her bear on track, but man, they got to get him in there with somebody who's not going to take him down first and foremost. You know that's plain plain and simple. The guy's takedown defense is not on not on par here, and they need to give him someone who's going to engage with them standing up. You know they need to get him in there with a, essentially another exclusive striker and give the guy a chance to win a fight. Because let's keep it real, zero and two in the UFC now um finished both fights finished both fights in two totally different ways uh one more and that's probably going to be about it so they really need to get the guy back on track like you said Moicano dude's always sniffing the top 15 right he's going to get a good fight he's going to get a step up very impressive performance very dominant uh what do you think Al should we move on yeah another uh an inter- another international fighter in this next one Absolutely. You know it, man. Al, dude, I don't know what it is, man. Dolby, this guy is just killing me lately. Tim Means, unanimous decision win. I took the dog shot on Nicholas Dolby. Why? Because of what Nicholas Dolby did in the third round, okay? Gets in, gets out. The faster guy, good power. He hurts Tim Means bad in the third round. Unfortunately, He's down two rounds. Tim Means just wins the first round, wins the second round. I mean, fairly competitive rounds, but Tim Means just, you know, he's the dirty bird. And, you know, he's got that good, dirty boxing. Um, I'll say this, man. Nicholas Dalby, I'm very disappointed in. Why? Because I feel like this was his fight to win, and he lost, okay? It's Nicholas Dalby trying to, trying to shoot for a takedown in round one. It's Nicholas Dalby trying to shoot for a takedown in round two. That's not how Nicholas Dalby wins this fight. That's that's attempting to take this fight to one of the strengths of Tim Means. And we saw Tim Means use the superior grappling, use his size against Nicholas Dalby. I hate to say it, Alan. I say it all the time. You know, you fight to your opponent's strengths, you deserve to lose. That's why I'm not going to cry about this decision, this bet I lost on Nicholas Dalby. I backed a guy who could not stick to a strong strategic game plan, couldn't execute, and when he finally did, it's too little, too late. Has Tim Means hurt badly in the third round? What's he do? Continues to close the distance. I mean, 
Nicholas Dalby winning this fight was entirely about staying at his distance, away from Tim Means, coming in, doing the work, and getting away. Nicholas Dalby gives Tim Means the fight that, that he needs, the fight that he wants, and loses the fight. Um, you know, we saw a lot of money come in on Nicholas Dalby this week. It was one of those spots where I want to say the guy opened up plus 185, got all the way down to like a plus 110. We know we know what that means. We know that a lot of people were seeing what I was seeing on Dalby. The dude just, I don't know. I really don't know what to say, Al. I want to say it's fight IQ. It, that, that's what it boils down to to me, fight IQ. And Nicholas Dalby at big time moments is lacking and it makes him a tough guy to back. Tim Means wins this one. Al, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know if it's like if it's as much a fight IQ as if it's fight instinct, because I've talked about this before where like you see guys that they have their opponent hurt and it's just like the adrenaline, the moment where they just it's like they instinctually just go in to smother and close in the distance. Right. And I, I think it might be almost like a confidence issue. We saw like, a lot tonight. Yeah, where we're like, you know, you, you it's almost like uh, you see it like in team sports a lot. Or like a, a team will get up when they're an underdog and then end up getting blown out because you know they're just it's it, they're they're not at that they reach that pinnacle and then they kind of just plateau where their opponent kind of just keeps keeps going you know keeps gaining momentum or keeps just staying at that same pace and that's what you know I I I I, I don't want to say that it's like a veteran move from means because I, Dalby has been in the game for quite a while. But uh, I guess it's as I guess it's like a level of competition, but I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think it's it's a mixture of fight IQ and I think it's like fight um, instinct and just confidence. The confidence in your ability to you know have your opponent hurt and just you know be able to be able to perform in that moment and not make the moment to, uh, turn you into just blindly double legging or blindly just grappling your opponent against the cage you see like we just talked about a lot of the time it's your as a fighter you're your own worst enemy where you're not uh you're just not completely there you're just in you're kind of just like you're thinking too much you're not in that uh what is it the uh that flow state that reptilian state where you're just thinking basically kill right and Dalby he shows signs of that like he's really interesting his movement is really good he's very light on his feet but uh he came out to uh kind of means came out to a hot, hot start and kind of stifled him and it, it, it worked it basically set the tone for the whole fight and he really didn't recover from being stifled until in between rounds and then he came out more measured at the start of the second round. He kind of got away from that low kick, though, and the body kick game, and which is, you know, he had a lot of success doing that. It, it just seems like, I don't know, because they were the, they were kind of talking about the narrative of, of his breathing. But then I think oh, they – They loved talking about that, didn't they? Man. But then I think they realized that, you know, he's it's just like a breathing exercise. It's like a – Yeah, it's a, something. It's a, it's a part of his rhythm or whatever. But then again, he came out really good in that third round, landed some really good shots, and uh, means, you know, we we're going to talk about fight IQ. Tim Means showed great fight IQ to be able to just tie him up and take that pressure off 
And the story of the round was just means taking, uh, making Nicholas Dalby just run out of time. He ran out of the time in this fight. I believe that, you know, if this fight had a fourth round, we probably have seen Dalby get the finish or, you know, start to turn it around to the point where it would be 2 2. You know, obviously completely hypothetical, but that's just uh, a veteran fighter playing with a lead, basically, taking space away, going into damage control. And uh, Tim Means picks up the victory. I was on Dalby as well. And this was one where I eyed the un, uh, the over all week. But then the price was just, it was it was like minus two. It was like minus 185 and it's moved up. It moved up to like minus 210. I wasn't going to touch it because you never know with these two guys. So Tim Means cashed at plus 200 to win by decision. Uh, the Dirty Bird, he's now won four of his last 11 UFC fights by way of decision, four and seven for plus 8.1, 8.2 units on the decision prop, and he's now six and five in his last 11 fights. And, I mean, normally I would say, like, that's a rough record. He was five and five in his last 10 coming into this. But, like, I can't – when was the last time you ever saw a boring Tim Means fight? Like, this fight was great. You know, this fight was – it wasn't spectacular, but it was it was pretty entertaining. And I just think, you know, Tim Means is a, a mainstay. I think he'll be in the UFC for as long as he wants to be. And then as far as Nicholas Dalby, it's just so frustrating because it, it just se- it, it seemed like the right side to be on. And it seemed like at points he could have easily won this fight. It's just like yeah. the, pieces, the pieces weren't – they You're were exactly there. Right, Al. It's the like, pieces, yeah. you know, we, we know the dude's capable. We saw he's capable. He almost did it. You know, he almost had means out of there in the third. It's just so irritating to, yeah, it's just frustrating, man. Um, I'll put it like this. If you were on Tim Means, you're feeling very good going into that third round and then had a entirely major five-minute sweat, I'm sure, uh, but on the way to victory. And let's be honest, man, I think uh, I think the judges got it right. I think Tim Means won the first two rounds, and I think Dalby won the third. So too little, too late. Um, you know, it is it is always such a weird thing, right? To It's like the guy who's clearly winning at the end to give yeah. it to the other guy. Like It's like you said, Alf, there was theoretically even one more round. You know, Dalby's probably winning this fight, but um, – Hey man, that's that's the deal. You gotta. There's you can't you cannot afford to give up a round in this game. Straight up. I mean, you're you you can't. I you must win the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like it's just, and we see people do it all the time. So yeah, um, yeah. you can't take the Nate Diaz path to victory. Right. Yeah. And it, and you guess what? Nate Diaz runs out of time too, and that's why he lost against Leon Edwards. So uh, yeah, man. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we roll on here, Al? No, let's move on to this next one, which is pretty oh, disappointing. Oh God, Al, this is this is. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all pushed, right? I don't think anybody took a L, regardless of where you were on this fight. Why? Because Andre Feely, I pokes the. It's it was a good one. Uh, I pokes Daniel Pineda forty six seconds of round number two in a fight where Andre Feely is beating Daniel Pineda down. I mean, we're talking. We're talking three or four different instances where this fight appeared to be over. And I got to be honest, I'm a little bit frustrated with Andre Feely. Now, the, the the bet I had was fight does not go to the decision, right? And that, I mean, that mofo was cash. That's that's money. That was money in the bank. That was yeah. that was a done deal. All I'm doing is waiting for my man, Herb Dean. You know, Herb Dean, 
the, the stuff he's been pulling. Yeah, so it was Herb Deem time. Uh, yeah, Herb just keeps letting Daniel Pineda take a beating. I mean, he's get, he's eating shots to the head. He's rocked. He's he's wobbled. He's woozy. He's eating liver body kicks to the liver that are folding him over. Like this dude got smashed up every way possible. Don't get me wrong. Daniel Pineda had a couple good leg kicks. Had a couple big moments. But that's all this fight was was huge dramatic moments looking like a finish any seconds out of it. And let's keep it real. Had this eye poke not happened, this fight's over in the next 30 seconds, 45, maybe a minute tops. I truly believe that. Uh, this this one was this was rough, man. Uh, it's a no contest. It's like it never happened. It's a push. I had the under. But I, let me say this, Al. I debated all week an Andre Feely inside the distance. Wouldn't have mattered anyway, man. Another spot that would have pushed. Uh, unfortunate, man. I, I needed that one. I needed that one, Al. That's how this game goes. Another eye poke, no contest. Would it be a fight night? Would it be a card if we didn't have a illegal strike or an eye poke ruin a great fight? Probably not. That's just this game. Al, what do you got? Yeah, this was uh, – it might have been Andre Feely's literally best UFC performance – like he was looking unbelievable. Like he was, he was piecing up Pineda. Like that liver kick, the fight should have been stopped right there. Like yeah, when your probably. opponent folds over and turns away, like oh, you know what I mean? It's just like stop the fight. If that was Ryzen, that fight would have been stopped three times. You know, like uh, possibly more. Yeah, but you know, the, it was super entertaining. And let's not. Uh, Daniel Pineda is extremely tough, like way too yeah. tough for his own good, you know, and uh, it was fun to watch while it lasted. I had fight goes the distance at plus money, and uh, I'm uh, I'm glad that I got the no contest because, you know, Pineda definitely was on the path to getting finished. And it's just unfortunate because Andre Feely only gets half his paycheck on the heels of probably the best performance of his career. Like he, that first, he was just looking, he was looking like just unbelievable. He was looking like a different fighter. He had uh, just a different look to him. And then, you know, we got to talk about the way that this ended with, I just feel like, I just feel like Herb Dean didn't give him enough time. Like to call the doctor in right away. I know there was some argument about the five minute rule but, you know, first of all, why is the clock on the screen then if there's no five-minute rule, if there's no time rule? Uh, I bet you that all three of those guys broadcasting didn't know that there wasn't a five-minute rule until somebody told them in their ear that that's not how it is. And I, it's just, I don't know, I, I feel like uh, I, was, I wrote down, I feel like if Jason Herzog was the referee, he would have handled this a lot better. But then I had to go back and revise that because of something that we're going to have to talk about in the co-main event because I feel like a better referee would have handled this better. You know, I, I don't know. Like, it just seemed – it just – he couldn't open his eye. But just to have the doctor go in there right away, you know, you didn't even see that with the Bilal Muhammad eye poke. You know, they gave him some time. And, uh, yeah, I know that he wouldn't have been able to – I'm just, you know, I'm just bitching for the sake of bitching here. But I know that Pineda definitely wouldn't have been able to continue. But it's just, oh, 
you want to see that done properly because you never know. You never know, like the the level of a fight. What if that happens? Uh, the next. What if that happens in the McGregor Poirier fight? You know, oh my you God! See this... Don't you dare put that out there. <laughs> you want to see? You... <laughs> Please. Okay, take it back, Al. Okay, listen though. You know what, guys? Check this out. I honestly think we might be looking at something that is being interpreted improperly by the referees. Because let me explain how this rule only makes sense, right? This is in my in my perspective. This is how I believe the rule should be um, interpreted, and this is how it should be executed, right? An eye poke has occurred. All right, I'm the referee. I approach the eye poked fighter. I tell him, I go, listen, you've been illegally poked in the eye. We've stopped the fight because of it. I'm going to start a timer. Five minutes. You have five minutes. If at any point in the next five minutes, you're fine, you're ready to go, you can see you want to fight, come come approach me and tell me you're ready to fight. We'll start the fight, okay? But at the end of five minutes, I'm going to approach you with a doctor and we're going to see if you can see, if you need more time, I'm sorry, the fight's off. If you're fine, we will proceed. That's how this rule should be executed. It yeah. should be five full minutes given to an eye-poked fighter to recover. Not uh, let's let's. I mean, speaking of which, tonight this has there ever been a doctor who's ready to run in that octagon so fast and, and go? Oh, how, how many fingers am I holding up? Oh, yep, fight's over. Fight's over. Yeah, Herb, get up, get over there. Oh, wave the fight off. I mean, this this dude's like wanting to be on TV. He's like waving to the camera, like, "Hey, what's up, kids? Hi, mom." You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, man. The, the, to me, that's the only way this rule makes sense. You give the fighter five minutes. If he cannot continue after five, then wave the fight off. Yeah, we got other fights. We got stuff to do, right? We can't we yeah. can't give a guy a half hour, forty five minutes. You know what? This would be we'd have to call it boxing or something. Like you know what I mean? Like, uh, not, but what I'm getting at is, Al, I don't like how this rule is being executed, and I think the way I explain it makes way more sense than what we're seeing. A guy. It, we don't need 45 seconds into an eye poke to get it waved off. You know, I, I guarantee you there's been fights where a guy got eye poked. Literally, by the time he's made the walk to the back after the fight's been waved off, he's like, well, I'm actually pretty good now. Like, I can see, like, we could do this. But, well, too late. You know what I mean? Give a man five minutes to get to, – to, to let the to, – to, to try to get things right. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. And, and as a person who's getting eye poked, I'm sure you're overreacting a lot of times. You know what I mean? It's like a very painful thing for people, uh, you know, who've never had a full grown man's finger two knuckles deep in your eye socket. You know what I mean? My goodness. Give these guys some time. Sorry, Al. I know that was kind of a rant there. Uh, no. But, man, you're right. The eye poke thing. I, I, where, where were we at here, Al? No, you're you're totally you're totally right because um, – you know, even with Bill, if you to go back to Bilal Muhammad, he was like writhing in pain, yelling like, yep. "Oh, oh!" You didn't see the doctor running in there, being. Like, I was legit afraid Bilal Muhammad was losing an eye that night. The way he reacted. Yeah, and the referee wasn't going in there. Like, how many fingers? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it was done poorly, and you know, you might be, you might, you could, you could say that we're splitting hairs here. But you want to see this done properly because what happens if, you know, you know, what if that happens, like I said, in a huge fight, right? We've seen we've seen many times 
fights end, main event fights end due to an IPO. Nobody wants to see that. So instead of rushing it, you know, it just needs to, it, yeah, you don't have the ref, don't have the doctor, give the guy a second. It's just, I don't know, something's got to be done because the eye pokes aren't going to go away. No. So the, way, the way that we approach them need to needs to change because yes because guess what folks we're not even done talking about eye pokes on this main event straight up and you know they were saying they went and recanted later on in the broadcast that oh the five minute rule that's not how it works and if that's the case why isn't there a five minute rule there should be a five minute rule (laughs) you know like if there's a five minute rule for a groin strike how is there not a five minute rule for getting poked in the freaking eye you know, so, uh, yeah, this is incredibly disappointing. And it's it's also disappointing because we just won't get to see the closure of that because Pinedo was winning the uh, – sorry, Feely was winning the fight so, uh, you know, so handedly that there's really no reason to run it back. But, again, it just comes down to it's it just sucks for Feely because he doesn't get the W, he doesn't move up in the rankings, he doesn't get paid properly – so uh, hopefully they can turn him around and we can see him maybe in a month or so. Uh, yeah, because, you know, he looked great. He looked yeah. really well, and, good. And what's weird, Al, it's like, I mean, as dominant as Feely was, do we play the angle that we saw with Leon Muhammad where we go, you know, he did eye poke him, but he was also beating the shit out of the guy. You know what I mean? We might just yeah. see him go, Feely, let's just chalk that up as a W. You had that one. Pineda. Sorry, bro. We're uh, we're not giving you a shot. You were getting straight whoops, son. So I don't know, man. Um, unfortunate. It's a push from a gambling standpoint. It's a push. What is there? What is there to say? I will say this though. Props to our boy Gabe Yo coming in with the super chat. Appreciate that, dude, for real. Um, so I guess let's uh, probably a good segue to move on here. Al, um, do they run it back? I don't know. Like I said, uh, Feely was pretty much putting it on Panita. All right. Oh, Al, this one. I knew this was a tricky son of a gun this week, Al. And I tell you what, this next fight, Timur Valiev, Hauni Barcelos, was a fight that I was really, really honed in on because I tell you what, I came in saying, Timur Valiev plus 175? That looks a little bit off to me. And, 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 it, and I said it was off. And it was off. But at the same time, we got a lot to talk about here, man. Timur Valiev, majority decision over Hany Barcelos. I told people, man, Hany Barcelos, this dude is legit. But at minus 225 against another guy, Timur Valiev, Al, these are two guys that I plan, I already have, honestly, a couple times. I've made money with both these guys. I plan on making money with both these guys in the future. But I said an overpriced Hany Barcelos and a Timur Valiev who we've seen finished who we've seen eat big shots from Trevin Jones get put away against a deadly dude like Barcelos. I just had to outright sit this one out, Al. Don't get me wrong. Do I wish I would have popped off on my boy Valiev? He got it done, but what a sweat. I got to be honest, you guys. That's a 28-28 scorecard on my scorecard. Pretty clear cut. Timur Valiev wins round one. Not ultra convincingly, but wins round one. I thought it was pretty clear cut. Round two. He's doing well. Honey Barcelos puts my man down a couple times, basically puts him on another planet for a while. I mean, DC's talking about how 
this guy don't know where he is, all this. And he was hurt bad. I mean, real bad. Uh, Barcelos not getting the finish, somewhat surprising because Valiev was just out of it. Valiev bounces back, wins that third round. Fairly close. I thought he for sure won it. I have Timur Valiev winning round one. I have Timur Valiev winning round three. But I got Barcelos winning round two, 10-8. Al, tell me what you thought. Tell me what you had. Uh, Action-packed fight. Um, Yeah, take it away, Al. Yeah, I had Barcelos in a parlay with Julia Vila. And like I've said before, normally I would have – Normally I would have uh, hedged, you know, but I was normally like if I'm up on the night, I'll hedge because it doesn't really matter. But I was down, so I needed the units. So and I wish I hedged And just to like go back to, you know, reverse engineer the way that I got to this point. Uh, it was so funny to me how they said that Timor Valiev in the intro was unbeaten since 2016. The guy got knocked unconscious by Trevin Jones. And the only reason that that is stricken from the record is because of marijuana. So Timur Valiev uh, owes marijuana his uh, unbeaten record. And I was on Trevin Jones, and he cashed at like at like plus seven hundred in that fight, or something like that, something ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of kicking myself because. Uh, it was Barcelos was gun shy for the first half of this fight. It took him, it took him getting hurt before he really started letting his hands go. And, you know, I can't believe that uh, Valiev managed to survive that stretch at the end of the second round. He got dropped heavily and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But then in the third round, Barcelos just ended up watching again and, you know, it was just like it was a tale of I, I, I wanted it was a tale of three rounds, two different frames of the fight where the first round Valia was, you know, he won the round, I think. And Barcelos was just watching, you know, and he's got deadly hands like we've I don't know what it is about Valia, but it just I, I don't know exactly what it was that made him. He was just gun shy. And I don't even think I've ever seen him gun shy like that. He just. He was content by just sitting there watching. And he it, it got to the point where he wasn't even really losing the fight at, after that first round. It was just that because of how much value of was throwing, you can't give him – you can't give Barcelos that first round. You have to give it to the guy who's thrown and landed more, even though it, it hasn't really done that much damage. It's just the way that the, the criteria is. So he kind of just – I don't know it. He kind of it was again another. It's like the theme of this night where the fighter lost to themselves. They were their own worst enemy, right? They were the ones who were. I don't know. This one was really frustrating because I really should have edged, and I didn't. And then yeah, to go back to that second round, we talked about this before, and I disagreed with it when it when we first saw. And I'm talking about um, that ten eight round. In the second, it should have been a 10 8 round. One judge gave him, gave it a 10 8 because the, the, it was a majority decision with one of the, one of the scorecards being 28 28, and then the other two being 29 28. And those other two got it wrong based on, uh, I, was it Sal D'Amato 
I think it was right. Who gave Salva uh, D'Amato? Yeah. So Ch Chandler Oliveira, right? UFC 262. That first round, I think it was him. He gave it 10-8 to Chandler, with uh, Chandler almost knocking out Oliveira and Oliveira surviving. Almost very similar situation here. And I we I went on this rant that night. If it's 10-8 there, it has to be 10-8 here. You know, we can't have different judges that it's this isn't the Supreme Court. OK, it's not your interpretation of the criteria. It's the criteria. You know, it's that simple. It's not you know, it's not based on how you learned it. It's the actual criteria. There's no you can't deviate from it. If there's a 10-8 round, there's a 10-8 round. That's it. And it goes the same with the wrestling. Right. Like if. Blahovitz Adesanya is a 10-8 round. When another guy ends up getting wrestle-fucked heavily, you got to give the 10-8 round in that same situation. You can't just throw out 10-8 rounds because then you start looking at, well, that's actually a 10-7 round. Right. You know, like it's just, ugh. It's, it's, it just, it opens the door for shenanigans, you know? And right. yeah. Here's my thing, Al. If that's not a 10-8, which two judges said it wasn't, Okay. And I had people on, well, not, I didn't have people. I had a person on Twitter try to tell me that wasn't a 10 8 round. And to that, I posed the question then what is a 10 8 round? Because dude got dropped twice, nearly finished. I mean, the referee, seriously, I think three or four different times is looking to like kind of get in there. And it's like, ah, he's still kind of there. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's what I wonder. If, if, I, I wish someone could explain to me how it's not a 10-8, you know. Um, don't get me wrong. Valley have had, like, success early. But, my God, like, I'll, here, here's another factor, too. Who actually was hurt? Who was who ever had any trouble in that fight? The team or Valley have almost lost, you know, a, a couple different times. You know, was on the brink of losing uh, for a good portion of that fight, yet – Walks away the winner. Hani Barcelos never really in any trouble. Just gets outpointed. You know, I think it's one of those, hey, if it's a sport, yeah, Timor Valiev wins. And it is, right? It's a yeah. commissioned uh, event. If it's a fight, if we're looking back and going, who got their ass kicked? Timor Valiev kind of did. You know what I mean? So is what it is, man. Um, absolute heartbreaker. You know, I'm sure Hani Barcelos, the guy who was undefeated in the UFC up to this point, uh, you know he had to be parlayed heavily. Um, Al, honestly, man, I'm going to look at this one as a W in a way because I'm super high on Barcelos. I felt like I could have potentially been baited, but let's keep it real. This game's value, Timur Valiev was the value side regardless of the absolute beating, trouncing he took in that second round. And here's the thing, man. Really give Timur Valiev his props to win a third round. After that second round beatdown, uh, rare, rare form event. Really got to give him props. At the same time, man, kind of got to look uh, with a, a bit of question here at how many Barcelos really taking his foot off the gas and allowing that third round to slip away. So um, I don't know, man. Two guys I think are both very good. Uh, it, it's crazy. You know, I, I almost feel like both guys stock in a certain way take a hit. And I kind of feel like both guys stock in certain ways 
maybe goes up. I don't know though, man. Probably probably not for Barcelos. A loss is a loss, you know. Valiev gets the win. He's going to move on. So, uh, anything you want to say about this one, Al? Before we roll on, just that uh, you know, again, Timur Valiev should thank his lucky stars that uh, Trevin Jones got caught smoking weed because he's now what is he? He's now two zero and one. Yeah, and on like a nine fight win streak officially. Right, <laughs> that's so ridiculous. So, yeah. I, I bet you that Timor Valiev has never smoked weed in his life, being from Dagestan and all that, but he probably just loves it. <laughs> yeah, he y'all should be, a, should be a big fan, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even try it out sometime. <laughs> That'd be a good angle, man. People would get behind that. Imagine like a 420 Habib. I'm telling you, that's an untapped market right there. Get into it. One of these Dagestani boys. <laughs> One of these Dagestani boys hang out a weekend with Sean O'Malley and let's get the merch printed. You know what I'm saying? All right, here we go. We're moving on. Okay, here it's co-main event time. Tanner Bozer knocks out the bum formerly known as Ovin St. Uh Al, I got straight baited on this one, playboy. Okay, who did I bet on? Ovin St. Prue, and I got to keep it real. This is a real contender right here. For worst bet of 2021 for me, okay? It's a, it's a contender. Now, there's a lot of time left in the year. It's uh, really standing out, though, in my mind. Ovin St. Prue, okay, which don't get me wrong. I waited until the last minute. I got a good number on the guy, but there was no good number based off what this dude did. Now, Tanner Bozer goes out here just, I mean, uh, the, the numbers I was seeing during the fight didn't even make sense to me because it was basically just Tanner Bozer. Uh, kicking and punching Ovin St. Prue while Ovin St. Prue didn't, uh, he just kind of, he got, he got punched and kicked. You know what I mean? Like there was, he didn't really have, like, I think he threw a couple of kicks up the middle. Um, but don't get me wrong. That's not too crazy. You'll see a lot of fights where Ovin St. Prue just kind of stands around looking at the guy for the first round. Now the difference is a lot of fights will come into the second round, finally sling them to the floor and work for that Von Prue that, that, the, right. Um, that's actually what he started doing. I, I, so we're a minute, two minutes into the second round. I go, okay, there's the takedown. Thank you, Owen St. Prue. That's how you win this fight. That's how Alir Latifi beat Tanner Boser. You can take this guy down and hold him down. Owen St. Prue's doing it. Uh, what do you know in the middle? And Al, I got to be honest, man. I haven't taken a good look at the replay. A little bit of controversy here. Kind of looks like my man Tanner Boser grabs the cage. Am I saying he did? I don't know. I got to take another look. Uh, for me, that's to be determined. I see some people saying he didn't. I see some people saying he didn't. I'll, I'll keep it real, though. When you look at the physics, when you look at how that arm comes up and essentially the hips slide out at the same moment, uh, kind of looking like there might have been uh, an advantage there, game by the cage. Sure enough, he uses that that little movement, uh, gets you know gets back to his butt, gets up, lands a good shot on Ovin St. Prue, hits him with another one. Uh, the thing that made the the, 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 the quote-unquote potential fence grab so funky is Herzog standing right there. Herzog puts his hands on both guys and then backs off, and five seconds later, Ovin St. Prue's knocked out. Kind of a fishy ending, kind of a fluky deal. Um, I'm not really sure what the public consensus is here. Maybe people in the chat, let us know what you thought of that moment. Cause I really haven't made up my mind. 
Not a good look overall. I will say this. There's a chance Herzog might have flubbed it. Listen, though, if Bozer's fingers truly didn't go through the cage, if he truly didn't use the cage as a as a hook point, as an anchor, I guess props to Tanner Bozer. But that got a little funky. Herzog, I kind of feel like even just getting in there, being involved, kind of threw OSP off. OSP, I think, kind of uh, – Kind of took himself out of the fight. Bozer lands a big shot, ends it. We got to live with it. Tanner Bozer wins by TKO. Al, what'd you have? Yeah, the, the only bet that I had on this fight, and oh, I kick myself because I went on a huge rant last week about heavyweights and totals. And I said, you know, I like to always be on the side where plus money is on. And I just don't take my own advice sometimes because some I don't know what it is, but. I ended up on fight goes the distance, yes, at a at a chalk price, and I really that was I'm with you. This might be one, of, and I'm glad. I'm really glad that I only bet it very small, a one percent play. But even then, I'm just so disappointed that I let my. I don't know what it is. I don't know how I ended up coming to that. I just I uh, I should have been on the plus money side. Uh, you know, even fight goes the distance, no was even money in this one. So that's super disappointing. I got to gotta tune that up. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I uh, made that mistake. Because, you know, with this, uh, we I've talked about before, but uh, the official numbers now, 35 or 36 and 33 on the total in heavyweight, uh, 36 to the over, 33 to the under. Uh, so basically 50%. And, you know, my mantra has always been for as long as we've done this show in heavyweight, especially with the lower ranking heavyweights, be on the side and the totals where they're giving you plus money. And again, I just didn't take my own advice here. And it comes down to uh, Boser just has that. I don't know what it is. He's not really a finisher. He has that high volume style. And I thought he was just going to pick OSP apart for 15 minutes here and uh osp i don't know man at heavyweight i don't know i this looked like he was just there to get a paycheck yeah and I'm, i used yeah. to be a you know what al you know what i'm sorry i gotta jump in it's i gotta go in right now i just gotta go in on him that's I'm, I'm i'm getting ready to boil here i'm i'm sorry for interrupting you al but it's time to go in osp let me tell you something this fight comes down to this tanner boser wants it okay tanner boser wanted this uh, 10 times ain't enough, 100 times ain't enough, 1,000 times ain't enough. Tanner Boser wanted to win this fight tonight. OSP, losing was in the cards. That's possible. That can happen. That's cool. I'm coming in short notice, heavyweight. Uh, sh- give me the paycheck, right? A guy that's been around a while. Plain and simple, OSP, you can never, ever, ever trust this guy with your money ever again. Too lackadaisical. Ain't got it. Never did. And it's just that simple. I mean, I, I could, I could, I could be more harsh right now, but I'm just going to leave it at that. OSP is shut. Your Al, you nailed it. Absolutely right. He's showing up for a paycheck. That's all there is to it. Uh, like I said, there was just never any urgency. I mean, look how easy when he got that takedown. He got the takedown. I mean, literally, he's like body lock, uh, leg behind yours, and Tanner Bozer's laid down on the ground. I mean, it's out there how you beat this guy, and that's OSP strengths. Okay. OSP just didn't want it. Tanner Boser did. Congrats to Tanner Boser backers. You had your money on the right guy. 
uh, OSP, he's a bum. I'll never bet him again. Anyone who ever tells me they're putting money on OSP, I'm going to inform them that's the wrong side. I don't care who he's fighting. This guy don't want it. Uh, that's just all there is to it. Al, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I had to jump in. No, I, I, yeah, like, yeah, it just, it looked like he was content to just take damage and let the fight get to the point where he would be able to get him in that uh, Von Flew choke. It looked like that was what his game plan was. Like, I'm just going to stand there in front of him. I'm going to let the fight go where it goes. And I'm just going to hope that the fight gets me to the point. And it looked, that's, it almost did. Right. And then Bozer, either he did or he didn't, but he used the cage to get back to his feet, whether he grabbed the cage or not. I don't really know, but I mean, he used the cage to get back to his feet, which isn't illegal. What is the problem is Herzog getting involved. Herzog standing over them and creating just that one second of doubt. But it's, it's the same type of thing. And I learned this playing sports, uh, you know, you, you playing sports and there's a bad call by the referee. It always just comes down to, you shouldn't have put yourself in that position in the first place. And it just comes down to the lackadaisical manner of OSP in that, uh, in that exchange. And I would say this, and I, it hit me as you were talking about it. This might be the worst fight in UFC heavyweight history, but I want to see Ovid St. Preux against Alexi Olenek, loser leaves town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let me think about that for a minute. Olenek wins. I mean, it's like I just said. Olenek still wants a win. It's like he just physically can't do it anymore. OSP will just let you win. I think OSP will just let you win. So, uh that's not a, that's honestly not a bad matchup. I listen. I'm I'm trying to figure out who's more washed. I mean, honestly, Alexi Olenek put up a uh, a really good, potentially close fight in his last fight. OSP that was laughable. That was a, that's a, that's a joke. So um, get, give me Olenek in that matchup all all day. And he and guess what? He'd probably be the plus money underdog. So <laughs> I don't know. Al, is there anything you want to say on this one before we move on here? No, let's move on to this. At least this was a good heavyweight bout. Oh, absolutely. Main event time. And folks, yeah, sound sound the alarms. It's official. You know, I had some questions. I don't need more. Cyril gone. Unanimous decision. Alexander Volkov. I took the dog shot on Volkov. I said, you know what? I don't have a strong read here. I'm very high on both guys. Very Both guys, the highest level of heavyweights. Championship potential for either man. That I truly believe that lies in both their future potentially. We found out who the better man is, and it's Cyril gone. He's faster. He's sharper. He's more accurate. He's more athletic. His movement's better. His cardio, his pacing, his gas tank, his fight IQ, his, uh, his ability to come forward, his evasiveness, his ability to not get hit. <laughs> Plain and simple, Cyril gone. Let's just get this out there and open right now. Cyril Gaon, future UFC heavyweight champion. I've seen everything I need to see, Al. I've seen everything I need to see. This guy, and I said it earlier this week, if Cyril Gaon wins the fight, how's he win it? Because he doesn't get hit. Okay, imagine, imagine a heavyweight fight where I'm hitting this guy, and not only am I hitting him, I'm one of the best people at hitting this guy. Cyril Gaon has some of the best striking accuracy there is. And then inversely, you can't hit me. Now, did Volkov hit him with a couple good shots? He did, and he ate him well. I'll be honest. He ate a couple good shots 
and uh, never got wobbled, never was deterred, really never backed up, kept the forward pressure on Alexander Volkov, who, let's be honest, Alexander Volkov to win this fight needed to be the one putting gone on the back foot, not how it played out at all. Um, I do think this fight played out maybe a little bit closer. You know, I feel like the commentary team was kind of trying to pretend, oh, I don't know, guys, this goes to the scorecards. Maybe it gets edged. Nah, nah, sorry. Yeah, it could have been closer on the scorecards, but there's only one rightful winner, Cyril gone. Um, the reach, the size, the athleticism, the IQ. I mean, the, the big hangup here was Cyril Gaon is 8-0 and o in this sport, taking on a guy with 40 professional MMA bouts. Irrelevant, fully irrelevant. We've got the full catalog. We see the skills. The guy's got wrestling, takedowns, submissions, the best striking, moves like Wonder Boy at heavyweight. I'm all in Cyril Gaon. There you go. Like, as a matter of fact, uh, for in the future, I don't break down Cyril Gon fights. I don't give out predictions. If Cyril Gon's fighting, that's who I'm taking straight up. Al, it's that simple. Tell me what you thought of this one, Al. Yeah, I think we were both on the same side here. I was on Volkov. Uh, uh, you know, and if I, I didn't feel terrible after that first round. I feel like if Volkov won any round, it would be the first one. But uh, – you're kind of stretching even there. Gone looked, he looked so good in this fight. I think, you know, he's had finishes before, but uh, this, I, I feel like this was his best fight that we've seen. Uh, you can really see that his striking is evolving, his faint work in the way that he switches stances and just the way that he, he's picking his spots and setting traps. Very similar to Israel Adesanya in the way that he, drags you into a striking battle where he'll he kind of just steps forward to get you to initiate and what that does is that creates that uh that tit for tat right and you don't you know you don't want to ever go tit for tat with one of the most dangerous strikers at this weight class he's so good at staying just on the outside of your range and his head movement is so quick and just his is a general striking evasion is just so quick. He's not there to be hit a lot of the time. And when he is, he rolls off the punches. So, it again, very similar to Israel Adesanya where he just knows how to take a punch. He knows how to move with the rhythm, with the force of a punch. And like I said, you can't go, you go, I go with Cyril gone. And I feel like that's what Volkov was doing. And you know, to no fault of his own. I think Alexander Volkov is still a top five heavyweight, yeah. but I I tweeted it that, you know, I had my doubts. I said it last week. I don't I didn't think that Cyril Gon should be ranked number three. He should be ranked higher, you know, like he should be I uh, Derek Lewis, I think he could beat, but uh once I finish ranting here, we'll talk about uh Francis Naganu. But there is one thing that I wanted to talk about. I see people talking about it in the chat. And I don't know. I just I, – this is just my opinion. You get upset about it if you want. But in between rounds, they were saying that they thought the fight might have been 2-2 going into the fifth. And, I mean, that would be a miscarriage of justice, in my opinion, if they thought that this fight was anything but 3-1 going into that final round. If not 4 nothing, you know, uh, you just uh, – I don't know. It just really concerns me that there was even a discussion that the fight was was up for grabs 
by the by the points going into that fifth round. I thought that was just ludicrous. Um, but Gon just has that style. And it's that thing where, like, you don't really see it where Volkov is doing that reaching out rhythm. Like, he doesn't normally do that. But when you're against a guy who's just such a practitioner, what ends up happening is you you you, you do that reaching out, hand-fighting thing. And you, when you're against a guy like Gon, he starts reading your rhythm. And that's how you get lulled into these types of you-go-I-go go type fights. And... I don't know, man. Cyril gone is like what Cyril gone is like what people think, like what the type, like, and I'm not taking anything away from this guy, but Cyril gone is like what people think Alistair Overeem was supposed to be, you know, like he's just, his striking is just, I, you know, his striking is better than Nagano. It's just that the power isn't exactly there, but as far as technique goes, I think, I, you know, it's, Derek he's Lewis. levels beyond. I'll keep it real, Al. He's levels De- beyond. And, Derek, and Al, Derek. That, that's that's something I want to talk about. You, so you're bringing up Francis and the fact that, you know, this is a potential matchup. Let me just throw this in here, Al, before I let you keep talking. How crazy is it that essentially a gym obscure, relatively unknown by the MMA, even the most hardcore of MMA uh, aficionados, has risen in the last few years, produced – Cyril gone and Francis Ngano in a place where MMA just became legal within like the last two years. Absolutely unreal. France becoming a heavyweight, uh, producing, just producing heavyweight monsters. Al, how crazy is that? Well, I mean, uh, it is crazy. Like, uh, the thing about it is that the France is such a, uh, it's so it has so many good kickboxers like uh, what's his name Cedric Duumbe. I think he trains at that same gym that Cyril Gaon used to used to train at. Uh, Cedric Duumbe is like a, a glory kickboxing champion. If you don't know who he is, look him up. He's absolutely awesome. But yeah, another guy out of France. And uh, what I was gonna say is like as far as like killing power goes. I would say that you might have to put Derek Lewis and Francis in kind of a different category, but as far as precision striking goes, yeah, you're absolutely right. Gone is miles beyond both of those guys. I would say like, if we have the conversation about, you know, if we're talking about middleweight up, I would probably put based on what we saw tonight, I would probably put gone in the top five, if not top three. Like I'd say Israel Adesanya is probably right up there, but I don't know, man. I think Cyril gone based on what we saw tonight. Like this guy, I had my doubts. This guy is, this guy is a future champion. And like he, this might be beyond that. Like this is like that fight that they're, that we're talking about here with gone and Francis Nagano. That's, that's a, that's an absolute blockbuster. You know what I mean? You bring that fight to Africa, like, Oh my God! Like, yeah. Hey, then, Al, check this out. So odds have already dropped. What do you think, Let, Al? I'm, I'm, folks. I'm putting Al on the spot here. Al, what do you think of that matchup? Where would you have this fight lined without knowing the odds? I'd give you my take, but I saw it already, so I'd be cheating. Um, I mean, based on true odds, I would say it would be very close. 
like I would say, almost pick them. But then if we go by based on a bookie line, I would say Naganu minus 175, gone plus 150. My man's pretty damn good. We got Francis Ngano coming in at minus 190. So, Al, pretty accurate, dude. Pretty much uh, just about nailed that one. So, yeah, odds are already out. Francis Ngano minus 190, which, you know, makes the comeback on Cyril Gone plus 165. So, and I got to keep it real, folks. I will. I'm a big, big, big Francis Ngano fan. Big Francis Ngano fan. At them numbers, I'm on gone straight up. I would take gone at that number. I truly believe it. Um, the fact that they've been in the room together, it's like I explained earlier in the week, you know, the thing that makes Cyril gone, why does Cyril gone not get hit? Because you know who he used to have to get hit by? Francis Ngano, you know, train with Francis Ngano and try not to learn, try not to get better at not getting hit, right? Like, and it's just such a rare thing we see amongst heavyweights, you know, and, and it really is. You, you talked about his ability to roll with the punches. It's unlike anything I've ever seen in it. A lot of it has to do with that movement, how light he is on his feet. You know, when you're coming at him, he's on the move. He's backing up. He's swerving out. He's doing what's necessary to make sure he's not sitting down on your power. You know, a lot of these big KOs we see, it's because it's perfectly timed. And essentially, they, they've used your own force against you to hit you with a big shot. Guys lean in. They sit down. They duck their head. All these tendencies, right? Um, Cyril Gans, te- technically perfect from that angle. He, you're not catching this guy with a hard shot. Volkov, like I said, Volkov did get him with a couple good ones but he always kept himself in a position to not eat it fully. And that's the whole difference. I mean, Cyril Gong comes out of this fight barely bruised to the face. You know what I mean? No cuts uh, and just fought five rounds with Alexander Volkov. And one last thing I got to talk about, when have we ever seen Volkov afraid to let the hands go, afraid to come forward? And why is that? Because Cyril (laughs) Gong is the faster man. His reaction is just so beyond his speed. I think he's the quick – I think he has the fastest hands at heavyweight. Um, and one last thing is – and, and I, I felt like we saw this We saw this referenced a lot. You know, people were confused. Why isn't Volkov using his length to his advantage? You know, uh, Alexander Volkov has the reach. No, he does not. No, he does not. My man Cyril Gunn has two inches of reach on Volkov. Yeah, Volkov's taller, but Cyril Gunn has that freak reach. You know who else – has an 83-inch reach, Francis Ngano. I got to see it. I, 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 did I think we would be taught making this move, talking this talk tonight, coming off this win? Probably not, man. But Cyril Gon's the real deal. I don't know if I can hype this guy anymore. I don't know if I can green light this guy anymore. But uh, I was a fan coming into the fight. Unfortunately, didn't back my guy. You were just talking about sticking to your guns. But uh, this is one out where I just said, you know, I'm trying to get my money on the value side. The value side was on Cyril Gone. This guy's much better than uh, what minus 170, which he went off over yeah. uh, Alexander Volkov. I'll uh, wrap this one up for me, man. Well, it, it's just uh, I basically was I needed to see one more thing. You know what I mean? I needed to see one more performance before I was convinced, and this was it. And it costed me a unit, but uh, I did have over. I did have fight starts around four, which uh, one thing that I want to mention. This is quite rare for a UFC heavyweight, but uh, he's now fought, Cyril Gaon has now had six UFC fights, 
Uh, he's a he's definitely going to move up in the rankings uh, as much as he can after this. I mean, it's kind of a long. Yeah, I guess not with Stipe and Lewis ahead of him. But uh, either way, Gone has won three of his six UFC appearances, six and zero oh in the UFC, three of them by decision. So half of his fights have gone to decision. So for plus he he uh, cashed at plus two ten tonight to win by decision. And you know I did say that last week that if he wins this fight, it's probably going to be by decision because this is a guy who has now gone over the betting total in five of his six UFC fights at freaking heavyweight. Okay. So, and has he been touched? Has he been even remotely hurt in any of these fights? Is there one moment where he's even been like in any danger? No. You know what I mean, that's why I think that this guy is as much as, uh, as much as we think that, you know, Francis Naganu, the last time that we saw him, look like a world beater that he had that kink of wrestling to his game. You know, it, this guy, he makes heavyweight fighting. He, he just, he makes it look like, uh, you know, he, he looks like a, he just has, like you said, he moves like wonder boy in there. You know what I mean? Like if you go and you, if you said like, uh, what was the, the, the other fight tonight, uh, with Ike Villanueva, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, Prochnio, if you said if you said to somebody that didn't know these guys are in the same weight division, you know what I mean? Or that fight last week, uh, you know, just general sloppy heavyweight fights, you know what I mean? And you you compare that to Cyril Gone, he makes it look just he he's just a thing of beauty, and that's why the UFC loves this guy because he's he's gonna give you twenty five minutes. He's giving you. Every five-round fight he's been in, or the two five-round fights he's been in now, he's gone the full 25 minutes. And, you know, he's just, it's, a, it's, it's freakish. I can't, I can't remember the last time we've seen a guy that's, you know, he's going to decision at heavyweight like he's, uh, you know, like he's uh, a featherweight. You know, it's, it's wild. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. But the problem is now that there's such a logjam that he needs to uh, – he needs like a money fight here or something because I'd like to see him stay active. Yeah. I would like to see him basically find a name. I don't, it's just that, I don't know. It, it seems like there's a lot of guys that are not, are not really worthy, you know, like, especially if we're going to have, you know, if Derek, Derek Lewis is going to fight Naganu and then Stipe gets the winner. I don't know. Besides those three men, I don't know who's worthy of fighting Cyril gone at heavyweight. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't see it. Like, it's just something that like, uh, I, if we can go fantasy here and let's say Prochaska, cause Prochaska's in another, in, in almost the same situation. There it is. Prochaska moves up to heavyweight for, a. uh, you know, a super fight. <laughs> That'd be a banger. I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily makes sense, but you're right. There's uh, two guys that are kind of caught up. Al, you might have just done some uh, serious dirty work there. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. You know what, though? It's time to go in again. Check this out. You know what you're not going to hear? My man, John Jones. Uh, guess what? Guess what name's not going to be crossing the Twitter the Twitter fingers of my man, John Jones? Cyril Gone. He wants no part, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now. Cyril Gone 
is what peak John Jones was at light heavyweight. John Jones, light on his feet, moving like crazy, exotic striking, very accurate, doesn't get hit a lot, doesn't eat big shots. That's zero. Zero gone is what John Jones wants to be at heavyweight, but will not be. We're going to see John Jones be a more plodding, more stationary guy at heavyweight. And Cyril Gon's going to be that guy moving around, crazy athletic. Uh, and get, let me tell you something else. Cyril Gon, he beats John Jones at heavyweight. Let me throw that out there. John, if you're watching, uh, hit up my Twitter, bro. It's cool. You can retweet whatever. Uh, just retweet the show for sure. You know, it's all good. But um, yeah, I just needed to throw that out there. John Jones, he don't want that smoke. I don't think so. Yeah, like if I'm John Jones, I would go after Naganu rather than Gon because yeah, his striking is just unbelievable. His striking today was just at like just after that first round, I, I tweeted, I was like, you can see how much his striking has evolved. His striking has evolved so even from the Rosenstrike fight to now, you know, just once you start seeing just his faint game and his his ability to set up those traps and to start thinking outside the box and start thinking like 4D, 5D, thinking steps ahead of your opponent. When was the last time we saw somebody like do that at heavyweight? I don't think we've ever seen it. Not in MMA. We've seen it like uh, in kickboxing, but this is uh, this is this is a game changer. And yeah, I'm sold. It costed me a unit to uh, to buy in. But <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm sold. <laughs> me too. Hey, listen, we put that, we put the feeler out there. What do you know? Dude's the real freaking deal. Uh, why do I have a feeling we're going to be getting that one back? Maybe tenfold, baby, because uh, I'm sold, man. Cyril gone. Uh, plain and simple, how do you beat this guy? Got to catch him with a big shot. Good luck. I mean, you're, you're not outpacing him. You're not outputting him. Uh, he can go 25 minutes. I mean, this guy wasn't breathing hard after 25 minutes. I mean, this guy's like, oh, I can do another five. It's cool. Like, it's just... I, I, I really don't know, man. Al, as it stands right now, no known weaknesses, and the dude's got skills everywhere. Let's top, stop talking about Cyril Gone because I, I could talk about how good this guy is uh, until the next card, which is unfortunately not this Saturday. We got a break. Man, that's too bad. I got I to gotta live with this feeling of loss for a whole week. I can't even get right back on that horse, baby, and get a card this Saturday. Oh, what are we going to do, Al? I don't even know what to do with myself when we don't have a UFC card on a Saturday. But nonetheless, we're going to take a look ahead. My, that's, where, that's where my man Al comes in. Al, where do we kick off this look ahead this week? Okay, well, you know, I, I hate to continuously do this and, you know, just go over things that we've already talked about. You know, it's beating a dead horse, but... Uh, we've seen some pretty interesting line movement in uh, the main event for UFC 264, the trilogy with Dustin Poirier and uh, Conor McGregor. And uh, the, the, the interest, you know, the line has basically stayed where it is at uh, Conor at minus 105 and Dustin at about minus 115. But the line movement was uh, last week. Poirier was at like plus 160 inside the distance with Connor at like plus 130 inside the distance, which didn't really make much sense to me because if Poirier was favored, why is, you know, why is he at larger odds to win by stoppage than Connor was? And uh, what do you know it? The market has corrected itself and it. They're both lined at plus 145 to win inside the distance. And uh, I'll just go over it again because last week, I kind of just fumbled over my words, but, uh, you know, uh, Poirier has had 
21 fights in the UFC since 2012. He's won 10 of them inside the distance by stoppage. He's won five of them by decision. Uh, the most money that you've made betting Conor McGregor on any prop across his uh, UFC career has been on the to win by decision prop. Okay. He's lost three times by stoppage. You've made more money betting on his opponent, Conor McGregor, to win by inside the distance than you have on Conor to win inside the distance. And, you know, that's just a, a, a thing that I look for. I want to see how many times that a fighter goes past the measure of expectation. And we've seen Dustin Poirier do this many times. When was the last time we saw Conor McGregor come through as a big underdog? I don't think we have. I thought I know that he was like a he was like a pick him pick him against Aldo, but when was the last time we saw Dustin or Conor McGregor pull off an upset? He's always the favorite. well. He's always the favorite though, Al. I mean, he's only been the underdog against Habib. Is yeah. that it? Uh, and he was a pick him against Aldo. Okay, he opened as a, a dog, but you know, even then, you know, even then, we're talking about. 12 fights in his pat in his uh last his last 12 fights he's only won seven of them inside the distance you know it, it's just the thing where he it's that uh perception is not reality connor isn't as good as people think he is and how many we've seen that many times you know the guy is sub if you count the floyd mayweather fight the guy's sub 500 in his last seven fights i think uh you know he i think he's four and three in his last seven fights if you count the floyd fight uh, and then, you know, you compare it to Poirier. How many times have we seen Poirier show up when he's the underdog? Well, I know he was a plus 200 underdog against um, against Max in the second fight, in the fight where he won the interim belt. And uh, we know he was a plus 200 underdog against Connor. So I just – that's the thing that I look for. That's what – you know, how many times has, have fighters exceeded the expectations – gone beyond the measure of expectation and you know i don't even need to bet inside the distance at plus 145 it's as simple as just give me give me dustin at, at minus 115 and uh as far as the total goes here I, I usually i would say that this is a dead under but i see like the under two and a half is at like minus 150 right now and i don't as as far i just the value's not there. You know, I know that the last time they fought, I think that there was more there was more value on the under. I thought I think the value was at like minus like minus 105 or something like that, but I think that if you the perfect play here is to bet fight goes the distance no, which is at like minus 325 and you know, pair that up with another uh another prop that you like and then, you know, it's the last fight of the night. If you need to hedge out, it's a huge plus money price for this fight to go the distance. I don't think it's going to go the distance, but with these two guys, we've seen it all, so I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, I'm not going to say that I'm very confident that this fight doesn't go the distance. It's not Oliveira Chandler, but, you know, I, I'm sure that you could uh, lend credence to it. I would be shocked to see these guys go a full 25 minutes just because of the amount of skill and just the precision that both of them, uh, you know, it's just, it, it would, it would be shocking to see them go uh, 25 minutes. I mean, I would love to see it, but uh, I, I honestly feel like the, my, 
the the only bet to make on this fight is Dustin. Dustin straight up on the money line. And if you want to fool around and uh, that parlay, I like uh, fight goes the distance. No, in a parlay, but yeah. honestly, as, as all of these angles, I just feel like it's stuff is priced out, and uh, we're close enough to that to that swing point to that tipping point where if we might be able to get uh, we might be able to get some plus money if uh, some money comes in on Connor. So that's it. That's it from that's that's my. That's you know I'm bookending the Poirier uh, McGregor talk until what the the final countdown on uh, the the Saturday that we talk next. But uh, That's yeah, a good man. point. We will get to talk about it one last time, won't we? Yeah. I but yeah, that, man. I thought it was going to be it. Uh, but yeah, and and I I think Dustin all the way here, man. I I just I think he's the better fighter, and I feel like perception is not reality when it comes to McGregor, and I feel like. Perception is not reality when it comes to how good Dustin Poirier is. So uh, it speaks for itself. What do you think? Well, I tell you what, Al. I just watched the fight back. The first, well, not the first, the second, right? The most recent. Um, man, Connor had some moments. You know, he really did. Like, but inversely to that, Connor landed good shots. Connor was Connor. You know what I mean? Like, he still had some real unorthodox punching, high accuracy. But the ability to roll with the punches, the, the, the maturity of Dustin Poirier, the big difference between what we saw in the first time these guys fought and the second time these guys fought was it's like kind of getting back to what I was talking about earlier with, with Cyril Gon's movement is, you know, Poirier was coming in aggressive. He's essentially walking into the power of McGregor when he was knocked out by McGregor. And I think that you know, Conor McGregor, that's a lot to do with why McGregor looks to get under the skin of everyone he fights. The more reckless, the more pissed off, the more Jose Aldo-ish in 13 seconds getting knocked out you are, the more it plays in to the counter game, to the speed, to the power of Conor McGregor. And what we saw in the second matchup was the maturity of Poirier in that, you know, he he wasn't there for those shots. He would do his work. And then he would be, you know, uh, essentially, you know, moving the head, getting out of the way, not eating those shots clean, which he did eat a couple, but, you know, vastly different than the, than the first fight. He, he ate them well, and he, he rolled with the punches enough that, uh, you know, I think Connor hit him with some good shots. He did hurt him early on. But what I'm getting at is, is I do feel like this fight plays out like this. Connor McGregor is going to be very dangerous early on. First round. Second round, Conor McGregor is going to be live. He's going to be looking for that KO. And uh, there's a good chance he finds it. You know what I mean? I do. I think he's got a, a couple adjustments. He was just ever so slightly off that that last matchup. If he can make some fine-tuned adjustments, land the punch a little more solid, I think Conor McGregor could win this fight. But I will say this. A five-round fight, as it drags on, uh, I think we're talking about a matchup here that you know, I think early on the needle probably swings in the favor of McGregor. And I think every second that goes by, we watch the the momentum, the pendulum, the energy, the fight, the the winningness, if you will, begin to move on the side of Dustin Poirier. And I think as we get through that second round into the third, uh, we're looking at Dustin Poirier absolutely taking the steering wheel, stepping on the gas. And I, I think you're right. I think it probably doesn't go to a decision but I don't know man I almost feel like the way we saw Connor get the quick finish the first time 
Dustin gets the pretty quick finish the second time. Uh, it almost seems fitting that we see a five-round war that really tells us who is the be-all, end-all, and uh, who puts the exclamation point and actually claims this trilogy and says, you know what, um, I'm the better man. 2021, I'm the better man. We're going to find out, and Al, I'm with you. I think at this point you've just got to say it's going to be Dustin Poirier. Let's hope the casual money gods bless us with a flow, with a avalanche of five, ten, twenty dollar bets on Conor McGregor that we get that line moved so that we can come in and eat up some Dustin Poirier at plus money. That's how I'm looking at it, Al. Yeah, like um it just comes down to me, and it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it just comes down to me to experience. And uh Dustin has had 21 UFC fights over the last nine years. Connor has had 12. And uh, I know that Connor has fought on the biggest stages, you know, bigger stages than Dustin at some points, but it you don't get those moments back. And that's the thing. Connor did have his moments, but those moments helped Dustin. You know, Dustin is the type of fighter that like he needs to get hit. He he he's like uh, Max Holloway in a way that, or even like uh, even just like uh, you know, even like Canelo. He just like he 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 likes to gather data, right? He 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 figures out fighters' tendencies. He starts to get into their rhythm. Once he feels their power, he gains confidence, and it's it's like uh, you know. Like you said, as the longer the fight goes, it starts to tilt more towards Dustin, but it almost starts to tilt exponentially, right? Where like the the clock is ticking for Connor, and uh, yeah, I would say you kind of just convinced me there. If, and I'm, this isn't really one of those things that I ever do, but even just fight ends in round one, yes, probably has uh, some some good plus money on it. Uh, you know, I, I just, if Connor, uh, if Connor wins this fight, I think he's got to do it basically in the first five minutes. And, uh, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see the exact same middle of second round finish where Dustin just, uh, flatlines Connor again with, uh, a counter hook or something like that again. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I envision this fight happening being very similar to the second one, just that uh, Connor probably comes out, looks dangerous, and then it just tilts and it tilts exponentially. And then Connor's winning the fight until Dustin wins it, basically. And even go back and look at the Dan Hooker Dustin Poirier fight. You know, that first round, look how bad Poirier was uh, getting pieced up. Yeah. You know? He was in some trouble. That fight could have been stopped, you know. And but Dustin came back and just bull rushed him and put on a clinic and that's the way he is. He's he's very very tough. Probably one of the toughest fighters, you know, uh, in this division. You know, apart from yeah, he's you know Tony Ferguson is a freak, obviously, and uh, is just okay with having his limbs broken. But as far as just uh, you know his chin and just his mental toughness and his ability to be composed. I, you know, I would nobody better that I would say, uh, I'm, I, I would say nobody better to put your money on in this division besides Habib. I'm, you know, I don't have an issue backing Dustin against pretty much anybody in this division. 
maybe I would have to have a conversation and break it down with uh, if you when he fights uh, Charles Oliveira. But yeah. apart from that, you know, it's uh, it's Dustin all day for me in this one. I'm with you, Al. So, is there any uh, other spots, Al, that are really jumping out at you that we haven't really touched on yet before we wrap up here? Uh, just one. Uh, you know, we talked about you know we talked about UFC 264, and we talked about UFC Vegas 32, but we have not spoken at all about UFC Vegas 31, which was supposed to be the fight that we were going to have uh, Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. And unfortunately, that has uh, been canceled. But we do have Makachev against Tiago Moises, uh, which is a bit of a head-scratcher main event. But it is what it is. But there is one fight on this card. And even the line is a little bit steep. But Matus Gamrot is going to – he is going to destroy Jeremy Stevens And – it's it's just it's that simple. Matus Gamrot is uh, very lethal, and he's fighting uh, Jeremy Stevens, who's 0-4-1 in his last five fights, and uh, who hasn't looked good. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him win. Uh, this is also his first lightweight fight since 2012, uh, and you know, this is a guy. He, Jeremy Stevens is a main eventer at one point of his career. But we all know, like, what happened with him and Jerkar Close and suffering the injury caused by that shove. And, uh, you know, like, a, he's he's a main eventer, but he's kind of fallen out of grace of the UFC. 0-4-1 in his last five. And this is a must-win against Matus Gamrot, who, you know, uh, former KSW lightweight champion. Uh, he had a really uh, – he lost his debut – against Guram Kudaladze in a fight that a lot of people thought that Gamrot won. I uh, did. Was, you know, it was very close. Yeah. And uh, he was a minus 300 favorite in that one. Uh, you know, but nevertheless, it doesn't even matter. I don't even need to waste my breath. Jeremy Stevens is going to lose this fight. There, It's just – there. It, it's just that simple. This is a home run spot. Matus Gamrot, he's minus 270, but just to uh, a little, uh, you know, sprinkle of irony, another fighter that's on this card is Guram Kudaladze, who's fighting um, Don Madge. And if you combine Kudaladze with Gamrot, you got a nice little plus money parlay. And uh, I I like it. That's what I like. You could even throw Makachev in there too, but you know he's a minus six sixty favorite, so probably not uh, that much value. But yeah, Gamrot. Uh, I don't know if he wins inside the distance because it just seems it's just kind of too hard to call. But uh, I think Matus Gamrot against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, this will be the last fight. Uh, you know, unless something ridiculous happens, this will be the last time that we see Stevens in the UFC. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, let's just let's let's keep it real. Jeremy Stevens, UFC record record holder, most losses in UFC history, just straight up. Uh, dude's been around forever. Pure action guy. That's why he's still here. That's why Jeremy Stevens is still around. He's a guy that goes out there, puts on a show, gets big KOs. And just can't be in a boring fight. And when it comes down to it, that's what Dana White wants. That's what Dana White's looking for. But a guy aging now, moving back up uh, past his prime, going up against uh, a guy that 
personally, I think should still be undefeated. I think he won that fight against Guram Kudaladze. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Al. I think this is uh, I think this is his fight to win. Jeremy Stevens, we've seen better days. This feels like one of those matchups where it's a let's use this guy's name to to essentially get some rub on this dude. We'll get some fresh eyes on this guy while we also uh, essentially cap off a losing streak. You have a good excuse to send this guy out the door. And for the UFC as a brand, it's a win-win situation. And it's going to be an exciting fight, just straight up. So uh, there you go. I'm uh, totally with you, Al. Do I wish we got a better number on it? Yeah. Do I think the number's getting any better? No. I expect this one to probably be – are there going to be a couple contrarians out there? Jeremy Stevens is too experienced. He's fought the higher level. Yeah, we're going to hear all that. Yeah, we're going to hear all that. But uh, not really the game way this game plays out. I'm with you, Al. I think he wins that fight. I'll tell you what, though. You're talking Kuda Ladze Madge. I got to do some work on that one, man. Don Madge. Not well known. Dude can fight. Dude's pretty damn good. But I'll tell you what, Kudaladze coming into the UFC, getting a win over an undefeated Mateusz Gamrot. Like I said, a fight I'm not sure he won, but to make it close enough that that's even feasible, very impressive. So uh, definitely high on both guys. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Mateusz Gamrot, I think he puts, uh, puts a beating on Jeremy Stevens. And I'm with you in the fact that I think that's probably the last time we see Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I'll tell you this. Last time we see Jeremy Stevens under the UFC banner, so my man is absolutely going to be swinging them fists in Bellator or bare knuckle. That's for sure. Honestly, Jeremy Stevens bare knuckle guy could be looking at championship aspirations. That might be the move. So I like it. Uh, Al, what do you think? Are we done here? Should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think that Jeremy Stevens might be just at the level of dirtbag to be in uh, bare knuckle. Oh, um. damn, <laughs> Al, with the parting shot. At Jeremy Stevens. All right, <laughs> folks, that's it. Bloodshed. Uh, it's a wrap. We will not see you next week because we do not have a UFC event. But you know when we will see you? For the final countdown, Al's going to be joining me for the pay-per-view. One last final look before we get it going. Al, we kind of crushed it on that last pay-per-view when you came on, man. Hopefully we can do the same. And then, of course, uh, Bloodshed after the event. So me and Al will be doing double duty uh, getting it going with the bloodshed after that, the final countdown before. I'll have predictions dropping the Tuesday previous, but uh, I guess enjoy your week off. What uh, I don't know what you guys are going to be doing, but uh, no UFC this week. Uh, enjoy your families. That's what I'm going to do. All right, you guys. Uh, have a good one. We'll catch you next time. He's out. I'm Bleed. Thanks for watching. <laughs>